0: Well, there is division, wherever you look, it seems, between the Republicans and the Democrats deciding over the debt ceiling, and that is going nowhere right now, between members of the Fed in the latest FOMC minutes, and between the RBNZ and those commentators who assume that they had further to go. But they've said, no, we think that is probably just about it. It's a different story for the Bank of England, though, after the inflation numbers yesterday, they clearly have more to do, and maybe also for the RBA, the AFR reporting today that Philip Lowe is sounding decidedly more pessimistic about controlling inflation without more hikes we'll take a rush tour of the central banks this morning it's thursday the 25th of may 2023 it's the morning call from nab good morning Well, U.S. stocks down again today, about 0.7 percent off the S&P. The Dow has lost 0.8 percent, and it closed the Nasdaq down 0.6 percent. The Russell 2000 is down 1.2 percent as well. Again, energy, the only sector that's doing well, that's up half a percent. A slight increase in consumer discretionary as well, but everything else is down. Big falls in Europe as well, with the Euro stocks 50 off by 1.8 percent. The FTSE 100 down almost as much. The DAX fell 1.9 percent, and uh, the Hang Seng yesterday also taking a big hit. It lost 1.6%. Not massive moves in bonds, at least for 10 years. Treasury is up four basis points. German bond yields are flat. And 10-year gilts up in the UK by five basis points. Aussie 10 years didn't move much yesterday or overnight. Uh, but 10 years were up 11 basis points in New Zealand yesterday. Uh, the US dollar is up again on the DXY. It's up a third of 1%, with the Aussie taking another hit, down a further 1% this morning. It's now at 65.4 US it did get down to 62.2 which i think is the lowest point since october and even then it was only there briefly compared to that the pound is down only a third of one percent the euro only a little over 0.1 down the yen though almost half a percent lower and oil rising further another 1.2 percent for brent and wti is up one percent brent now almost 77.80 a barrel copper incidentally is down two and a half percent today any gains made this year on the hope of a chinese recovery all gone in copper prices. Now, there's a bit going on. Here's NAB's Ray Actual. uh, although nothing going on with the debt ceiling, uh, Ray. And as every day goes by, the yields on those one-month Treasury bills just pushes higher, doesn't it, the longer this delay. So 5.65%, and another 11 basis points added today. Normally, of course, they're less than half percent So that and equities obviously uh, taking the biggest hit from from all of
1: this yes no certainly good morning phil and um i mean in a way it's a little bit curious that we have got that sort of tearing, if you like in the yields on you know different treasury bills because uh, if we go back to previous um, you know debt ceiling fights and uh, when the government has had to prioritize um, you know, what it's going to, you know, what it's going to spend its tax revenue on, um, you know, typically with treasury bills, they can actually effectively simultaneously issue new set treasury bills to redeem, um, you know, maturing ones, etc., without sort of that sort of bumping up against or exceeding the debt ceiling. But, um, but obviously it just plays to that nervousness that uh, nobody wants, you know, but nobody wants to hold any treasury security that's got uh, some chance of either not being redeemed or the coupon payment uh, not being paid So it just sort of plays to that sort of febrile atmosphere, I guess. And, you know, we're already, we're now Thursday morning. And given that the, um, Kevin McCarthy, the Senate leader has, sorry, the House leader has insisted that the House will have a full 72 hours to review any legislation, assuming that there is some kind of handshake deal. Between um, between him and the president, um, and July June the first, if which is repeated by Janet Yellen overnight as the at uh, the X date, um, June the first is next Thursday, if I'm not wrong, um, which really says that you know you really need to have done a deal by this weekend in order to give time for the legislative process to run its course. So the clock really is ticking, you know, ever loudly. And that's why markets are, you know, in such a nervous mood. So it's all about spending,
0: isn't it? Basically, McCarthy is there wanting deep cuts. Biden is saying a spending freeze is the best he can do. You would have thought they can can go, well, okay, I don't want deep cuts, but I want just cut something. Just, it doesn't matter. Just give me a little cut. And he, you know, and Biden goes, okay, I won't freeze. I'll give you a tiny cut. I mean, you know, there must be at some point they can actually get this together. You'd hope, wouldn't you?
1: I would have thought so. And it does seem like that, you know, the contours of a deal in that sense are are fairly clear. Um, You know, assuming that uh, McCarthy isn't insisting on, um, you know, tax cuts and and Biden doesn't insist on tax increases. It really is a question of uh, whether there's an agreement that will effectively freeze nominal spending in the next couple of years or whether there will have to to be some, as you suggest, even if only symbolic. Um, cuts in nominal spending, but the, the important point for markets and the economy, I think is that you know it 's pretty clear that a deal as and when it comes is going to mean that fiscal policy overall is going to be more contractionary or disinflationary um, than would have been the case had we not got into this uh, this issue in the first place so in terms of you know how markets are reacting or, or will react if we get a deal, you know our sense is that um, you know yields on the US Treasury should be coming lower not higher as you think instinctively oh we get a deal it clears the decks for the Fed to carry on tightening or whatever and Treasury yields should go up and so, there's going um, to be
0: a lot of new issuance as well of course isn't there because they're going to be playing catch up
1: yes of course so obviously if the tre- Treasury cash balances are down to zero and they would normally be you know many hundreds of uh, you know of, uh, of millions of dollars then um, you know obviously there is going to be that uh, that issuance as well so um, but overall I think markets well it's only the longer end of the of bond market. Markets will take the view that, you know, this deal is adding to downward pressure on an economy that already looks to be pretty close to up to the cusp of recession. And I think that will uh, embolden markets in the view that, um, A, the Fed is probably done tightening – and um, we can talk about the minutes in a second, and um, um, and that rate cuts are still a very realistic possibility for the back end of twenty twenty three. So
0: the Aussie dollar, which obviously is taking quite a hit, is that from all of this, or is is, is a bit of it China? So if we see, uh, or what else is it? If we see, if we see this resolved, is the Aussie dollar going going to come bouncing back up again?
1: Well, to be honest, I think it's neither of them. I think it's the New Zealand dollar. I think this is a classic case of tail wagging dog. <laughs> um, I mean, nothing's gone right for the Aussie dollar overnight. We've got a risk off sentiment, as you say there. You know the move. Music coming out of, of, of China, um, particularly with respect to the, the loss of momentum in the recovery, but also, you know, ongoing geopolitical tensions and the, the fact that the dollar renminbi exchange rate is back above seven, um, you know, without any overt signs of protest, even though we had those signals last Friday. Um, that the PBOC was sort of showing a bit of angst at what they saw as one-way trade, um, but the fact that the New Zealand dollar crunched, you know, over two percent on the back of the pretty emphatic signal from um, RBNZ Governor Adrian Orr last night that the RBNZ thinks it's done. At five and a half percent, having lifted its uh, OCR by a quarter percent. Um, you know, typically, when you see a big move in the Aussie dollar or the New Zealand dollar against the US dollar, um, you know the other currency um, typically moves in the same direction. So I think that's what got the ball rolling. Um, once we got through sixty-five, sixty-five, which is the low for the year, I guess that's triggered some sort of momentum or technical selling, and we've got down to what sixty-five thirty. Which, um, looking at my chart, I think that's the lowest level since the tenth of November.
0: 2022 so that was it was a big surprise from the RBNZ, wasn't it I mean I, I just before that of course we had uh quite a big fall in retail sales that was quite a big surprise as well but obviously that wasn't the only reason but it just uh, will have helped support the case that they have finished when there was speculation one maybe two more hikes you know people were talking about the impact of immigration and also an expansionary government budget but uh that's all been thrown out the window it seems well
1: it's certainly I mean it's interesting you know I, I listened to the full press conference from, uh, from from Adrian Orr last night, i have to say, he's a, a very impressive character who, uh, um, you know, doesn't take any nonsense from journalists and certainly doesn't suffer fools gladly. But um, interestingly, you know, he really sort of has a very different view from, I think, the way that the markets were thinking going into this on on the, uh, the immigration thing. His, his view is that it's actually adding to capacity in the economy, so it isn't necessarily inflationary. He's taken um, explicit issue with the idea that the budget is um, expansionary and therefore inflationary. He said the the, uh, the budget is contractionary, government spending is going down. Um, and clearly the retail sales numbers I think have made a big impression. Um, he talked at uh, explicitly saying that the uh, New Zealand households have cooled their jets and I think that's an explicit reference to the extent of the fall that we've seen in, um, in, in nominal and real consumer spending in, in, in the first quarter of this year so um, you know and and you know the the new um, implied OCR track for the RBNZ is five and a half five and a half five and a half five and a half with uh, you know cuts not coming to late 2024 but the market I think and certainly the BNZ economists thinking that um, you know we could be seeing cuts in the first half of 2024 but um, you know we've been forced mm. to take out that uh, a final rate rise to five and three quarters that uh, that we put in really just after the budget. So it's a very different view on the fiscal backdrop and what that means for inflation from the RBNZ compared to how the market was thinking.
0: The RBA would have a long way to go, wouldn't it, to get up to five and a half, but more could be coming. So Philip Currie in the AFR this morning uh, saying Philip Lowe is expecting more rate rises. Talking to the pollies yesterday, uh, he didn't sound that confident about walking that narrow path that he talked about, uh, which, you know, the path that contains inflation on one side without Triggering the severe economic downturn. On the other side, uh, he was uh, sounding positively downbeat. It seems.
1: Well, it seems so. Certainly, I've just been, been catching up on that story as well. That uh, you know didn't hit the AFR until, until after our local market closed last night. But um, you know, the yeah. message is that it was pretty downbeat, and I think that's you know not with reference to the economy per se, but in terms of the you know the, the sort of the, the narrowing of the runway, if you like, in terms of trying to deliver. This soft landing by maintaining um, the labour employment at the strongest possible level. So, um, I mean, he's really made no bones about it that the, the RBNZ still thinks, or the RBA still thinks, it's got more to do. And um, you know, looking at uh, say, we've obviously the RBNZ may be done, but it's done at five and a half. Um, let's talk about the UK uh, Bank of England prospects here. But you know, it does seem that um, you know policy rates with a five in front of them seem to be uh, necessary to, to, to really start to get to grips with inflation not that we're suggesting that in the RBA's case we're going as, as high as five but it certainly bolsters the view that there's at least one to be forthcoming at one of the next couple of meetings and quite possibly more than yeah, one. Yeah
0: well how many more will there be for the Bank of England now you've mentioned it because the inflation number well the headline rate was down of course it was because of you know we know the, the base effect uh, largely of energy but so that's gone down from 10.1% to 8.7% but but more importantly, for the Bank of England, the core rate has gone from 6.2%. It was expected to stick
1: there, but it's uh, gone to what? 6.8%. 6. 6.8%. That's right. And remember that number and excludes the, oh, it excludes um, food, energy, and alcohol, I think, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So, you know. We, yeah, well, well, and the retail price index
0: has shot up. Right. I mean, that's gone up 1.5% in April alone. So, you know, What's no wonder. 18%, of, an 18%
1: annualized rate. And, and, and the real disappointment. Mm -hmm. there was that the uh the, the the food ex uh, alcoholic beverages was what nineteen point one down just point one from nineteen point two. So, um, but to say the core reading says it's not just about uh, about food inflation. So I think markets are, are right to ratchet up their uh, expectations for the Bank of England. So they were priced for um, a peak or terminal rate of five percent going into those numbers. Uh, and just looking at that uh, my screen now, it looks like it's five point three six. So they've added effectively another sort of thirty three basis. Basis points saying that uh, we don't think now you're going to be done until either five and a quarter or five and a half percent so raising that question do they go 50 basis points
0: next time i mean that was you know wasn't wasn't on the cards but now it's getting talked about
1: i think it's it's, it's got to be on the table you'd think that the discussion um, isn't now going to be between you know do we do we, stand still at 450 or do we go to 475 which i think you know ahead of those CPI numbers might well have been uh what the bank of england was hoping to uh, to frame the discussions around in june and now you'd have to say that um, 25 at least is baked in the cake and there will be some discussion of uh, of 50 uh, rather than 25 right and
0: uh, we are doing a tour of central banks here aren't we because the, yeah the fomc minutes we haven't spoken about those yet they're, they're out uh, early this morning and it shows that they are as divided as ever Some are saying more hikes are necessary. Others are saying they're not. Uh, They need to, uh, many participants, let me quote, many participants focused on the need to retain optionality, the minute said. You know, in the olden days, we just would say, you know, they wanted to keep their options open. But I like that, to retain optionality. If ever there was central bank speech, (laughs) that is it, the word optionality. I checked in the dictionary, it is actually a word. Uh, the question is whether we should use it. Fantastic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think that probably sums up. I mean, actually, the Minutes, I mean, I haven't read them. How many pages did they run to? You've obviously read them, Phil. Well, yeah, what, I, I, I had the optionality to read it. Too, you know, anyway. the, the gist of it does seem to reflect the somewhat divided nature of a lot of the incoming Fed speak that we've had since the last yeah, meeting. Yeah, absolutely. Where some clearly saying we think there's more to do and others saying, you know, we think we can at least pause. And, I, you know, I think overall the Minutes sort of support the view you. Um, that if Fed Chair Powell does say I think we should, we can skip this meeting but we are not going to give any signal that we think we're necessarily done, you know, I think that sort of sentiment is pretty well captured in the, uh, in the minutes I think that's the key takeaway but um, you know, fairly clear that, um, that probably a majority are certainly wanting to make clear that in supporting a no change in June, uh, they want a pretty emphatic signal that uh, there is still a, a tightening bias there and Christopher Waller actually was speaking overnight and he's considered to be one of the more hawkish FOMC members. Um, and he said, look, we didn't, he didn't support stopping rate hikes until we get clear evidence inflation is moving down towards 2%. But whether we could hike or skip at the June meeting will depend on the data. Um, but uh, generally, the gist seems to be those that have been advocating for higher rates are still looking, saying we can see the case for a pause. And they're mentioning particularly bank um, sort of credit conditions as something they still want to see how much that is actually tightening monetary conditions. And, um, you know, whether or not the debt ceiling deal is uh, a debt ceiling deal is done by But is it June the 14th when the FMC makes the decision is obviously going to play into the into the meeting as well? So
0: uh, and very quickly, the German IFO read for May, that's cooled a bit as well. So the business climate's down from 93.4 to 91.7. The president of the IFO said the mood in the German economy has taken a significant hit. Now, we mentioned that stumbling economy in China and there is a lot going on there when we've seen it. You know, I talked about equities down in Hong Kong, the mainland as well, because we've seen a lot of weak data that dispute about the supply of memory chips going on you know China is banning them from the US on national security grounds and then on politics we've had Russia's PM has been meeting with Xi Jinping and talked about closer ties on trade and What else, perhaps? Uh, And then, just on top of all of that, they've got a new wave of COVID cases over there as well, which could reach 40 million people by the end of the month, according to uh, a a biotech conference in Jiangsu. That's where that 40 million figure came from. So, slow growth, keeping bad company, bad trade relations with the West, and blasted covid is back as well
1: so uh, yeah that slowdown is just getting worse there you go back to your um, your, your pessimistic self there phil oh and I'm, I'm sorry i don't really think to counter any of that but uh, but going back to say the german ifo that certainly does seem to be the case and reading around stuff last night it does seem that german exports to uh, China, um, you know, are certainly uh, suffering and whether that's simply, been a, a reflection of weakening demand or whether there are some more sort of structural factors that are starting to come into play, you know, apropos what you've just said. Um, but certainly, um, you know, the services economy still seems to be doing well. Um, you know, there's a lot of evidence that, um, you know, there's a lot of flexibility being shown in uh, the Eurozone economy in Germany in particular, but I think it's sort of being reflected more in the services side of the economy than it is in uh, in, in, in manufacturing but certainly uh, you know german manufacturing is is clearly the the laggard when it comes to to the eurozone we will incidentally get the final um q1 eurozone gdp numbers i think today um they were negative <clears throat> in q4 they were flat on the preliminary reading but if they if that goes if that flat goes to minus one, then there are going to be a lot of headlines about uh, eurozone being in a technical recession um either side of uh, the end of 2022 so watch out for that tonight
0: well and also german consumer confidence as well and the second uh estimate for U- u.s gdp and u.s pending home sales and those weekly initial jobless claims as well um, but of course it's all that's all, that's all in the next 24 hours but really it's what happens in washington uh, with the debt ceiling that everyone's got their eyes on isn't it really and then tomorrow no, absolutely then tomorrow the core pce for the u.s and uh, we've also got various ecb speakers out tonight as well it just doesn't stop does it ray uh, It doesn't indeed, although I think the
1: data calendar is pretty much second tier today. So I think all eyes still, um, you know, on Washington during our uh, Australian morning and the the US evening, I think that's still going to be what turns sentiment one way or the other.
0: Well, it doesn't stop, but we must Uh, until tomorrow morning. Good to talk, Greg. Catch you next time. Well, do. Thanks, well. And while we've been talking, the meeting between Biden and McCarthy has finished for today or yesterday after four hours. Still no results, but things are getting a little better, McCarthy has said uh, to Fox Business. So I'm not quite sure what that means. They're only going to have half a default, perhaps. Anyway, more about that tomorrow. That's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you in the morning.